quite a day to not have the AC firing on all cylinders, huh? I realize it is a bit hot in here. I'll try to keep as short as I can. But I say try because sometimes I get excited about the gospel and what can you do, you know? So um, I was thinking, as I was sweating a little bit, it's like, you know, Jesus sweat blood to redeem me. I guess I could probably sweat just a little bit. Um, so anyways, that being said. So when a, a couple is in a wedding match, they're asked three questions before they exchange their vows. They're asked to state their intention. And these three questions, well, the second one of these questions is, do you intend to love and honor each other for as long as you both shall live? Pretty straightforward, right? Love and honor as long as they're going to they're gonna be still living. And then the, the third one is, do you, do you, are you open to children and are you going to raise them according to the law of Christ and his church? Right? Love for each other, handing on the faith to children, those two make like perfect sense. The first one, though, if you were writing wedding questions, would probably not make the question that any of us would write. The first question is, have you come here to enter into marriage without coercion, freely and wholeheartedly? Is anybody coercing you to be here? It's like, has that happened in like the last 500 years? Right? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It feels like something from the Middle Ages. People coercing, like, you know, daughter coming home, dad sitting there with this young gentleman. Well, daughter, I found this, t- this young man for you, and you'll get married in two weeks. I've talked to the pastor, and everything's hunky dory. Like, does that happen anymore, right? This question, are like, are you free to enter marriage? And so this whole question of freedom, like, we often think about like an external coercion, external pressure. Is anybody pressuring you? Now this can be just as simple as grandma a thousand times asking, when are the two of you now, when are you guys going to get married, right? And that never happens around here. Um, so there's, and that's generally how we think of freedom in, in our area, right? Are, are, is anybody forcing us from the outside to do something? And that could be just something like, we have a right, nobody can tell us that we're not going to be able to carry a gun. Or we have to live, nobody's going to tell us how we're going to vote or what we can say. It's basically this idea of freedom is, you can't tell me what to do, right? You can't be coerced. And of course, there's extremes on either side of that. So this external pressure. The gospel, however, today presents a very different vision of freedom. It presents a very different way to understand what it means to be free. The gospel presents freedom today as, do you have the interior ability to make the right decision? Inside of us, is there anything that's attaching to us that we're not able to make the right choice? And Jesus lays out this choice for his apostles today. And remember, this gospel is coming right at the end of the Bread of Life discourse. Jesus has been saying, my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. Unless you eat this, you don't have eternal life. And people begin to say, this is a hard saying. Who can accept it? Who could possibly believe this? And then they start to walk away. As a result of this, many of his disciples return to their former way of life and no one and no longer accompany them. Look what Jesus doesn't do. Jesus doesn't chase them down. He doesn't go and say, hey guys, guys, actually, you're going to really want to stay here. And he doesn't, he doesn't threaten them. Like, if you don't, like, eternal damnation could be in your future. Jesus doesn't 
force them. He doesn't compel them. He doesn't threaten them. He lets them go. He lets them walk away. He lets them just kind of go back to their normal way of life. And then he asks the twelve, do you also want to leave? And they could have. Right? They really could have just walked away. Simon Peter, who's going to give the great answer, could have said, you know, we had a really good fishing business. We made a pretty comfortable living. We actually were pretty respected in the community because we got enough fish for people to go to, to fill their bellies. Like, I had a fairly important job and things were going pretty well. And this little Jesus guy, I don't exactly know where my next meal is coming from. We're sleeping outside. Maybe I'd go back there. But here's the thing. Peter is not so attached to his former way of life. He's not so attached to comforts, to money, to fame, to respect, to his family, that he's not able to say, Jesus, where else am I going to go? Whom else can I go to? Whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You've come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. He can only say that because he's a free man. He's able to choose God. There is nothing in Peter's like, well, okay, there might be a few things and those will be taken care of later. But his heart is free enough to choose the Lord, to say, I'm hitching my wagon to this cart. And there's no distractions. There's nothing that's tempting him away. And there's something, a similar thing in the first reading. The first reading is Joshua's basically parting words. And Joshua was with Moses as they led the people away from slavery in, in, in Egypt. And as they're wandering, they realize, hmm, they still have some attachments. They still have some issues because they're like, oh, Egypt was so great. We had food, we had a job, we had shelter, and out here things kind of stink. Like they're, they're still attached to Egypt. And then Joshua lays this reading. He says, you have a choice. You can either serve the gods of the Amorites, you can go back to Egypt, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. We are going to serve the Lord with all that we have. And so his whole family is going to. And then things get really practical in the second reading. In the second reading, we're given this idea of subordinating ourselves to somebody else or loving somebody to the point of death. And the only way a spouse can do that is if there's no attachments. The only way for spouses to really love each other is if there's nothing else that's taking precedence. Whether it's a job, whether it's being right in an argument, whether it's being selfish with time, the only way for spouses to really love each other, as St. Paul's talking about, is to not be attached, to really be free, to be free to choose the Lord. And that's what these questions are getting at, right? That question about coercion and freely and wholeheartedly. Sure, there's external pressure, but the deeper question is, are the two of you interiorly free enough that you're able to give your life to somebody else? Is there something distracting you in your life where you're not actually able to make an entire yes to this person in marriage? And so it's about freedom. And the saints show us that the more we live our lives as radical acts of holiness, the freer we become. The more we are able to choose God. It's how in the early church, when they're in prison, they can say they're free. When they're in a, a prison cell, they're able to say, we've experienced the freedom of Jesus Christ because they're able to choose it. Even in the midst of that choice means they're in prison, they're still able to choose him. And so the more we grow in holiness, the more we grow in freedom. 
And with this Mass, we're kind of kicking off our CCD year. And basically the goal of any formation in the church, in the ways of Jesus Christ, is to grow in freedom. Is to be able to choose Jesus Christ. All the catechesis, all that ever lays out, is so that people are able to freely choose Christ. So that our young people are able to surrender their entire lives to Christ. And there's nothing holding them back. There's no attachments. There's no, there's no sins. And their friends are pushing them to do the same. But of course, each and every one of us don't live completely free. Each and every one of us have different attachments that have leached themselves onto our hearts, our sins. And the good news is Jesus comes to set us free. Jesus frees us from sin. On Tuesday, we have one of our days of grace, basically the back-to-school specials. It's the first day of school here in Wapakoneta. So from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. will be the opportunity to go to confession. And it's one of those great kind of concrete moments where we tell the Lord where our enslavements are, whether it's pride, whether it's gluttony, whether it's too much time on social media, whether it's anger, whether it's things on the internet, whatever it may be. We lay out to the Lord what's enslaving us. And through his power, through his mercy, he sets us free through the grace of the sacrament of reconciliation. And that's what Jesus desires. That's what he longs to bring each and every one of us. Freedom. To set us free from entanglement. To set us free from anything that holds us back. So that with our freedom, that we may choose Christ. And like Peter, you may be able to say, you have the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? We've come to believe and are convinced that you, Jesus, are the Holy One of God.